Over four years ago, I prayed for God to use the church that he was putting in my heart and my family's heart to start in Nashville one day. I was praying that he would use that church to be a gospel outpost where people are loved and changed much more than just simply each other, but changed and loved by Jesus. And today we get to celebrate stories of lives changed over the last few months as a result of Jesus starting something and using himself and his power and allowing us to watch and be a part of this journey where he just flexes and people become in awe of who he is and they're changed by him. So people are going to do that today by baptism. In Christianity, baptism has been a sacred ritual practiced for thousands of years in every culture by people who by faith trust and believe in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The Bible presents baptism as an outward sign of an inward commitment of a faith in Christ Jesus alone for salvation. Christian baptism is an act of obedience to the command of Jesus in Matthew 28, 19. And it's declaring that the believer's faith is in Christ, that they're identifying with Jesus in his life, his death, his resurrection. They're saying, I'm a part of him. I'm united with him, and I want everyone to know. Baptism is a visible declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The believer is immersed down into the waters in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This expresses the believer's union with Christ in his death. Their old life being buried, done, the death of death, and then brought up out of the water, which expresses the believer's resurrection to a new Jesus life, a kingdom life eternal life. This represents, of course, Christ being buried and raised and ascended to heaven. Baptism is a picture. It's a symbol. It's symbolic. It's pointing to three things, more than three things, but three things that I believe is helpful for our time this morning. Baptism points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Baptism points to the new birth of those who believe. They're raised to true life. They're raised to new life. It's also pointing to the future resurrection of all those who believe. That though we're buried or burned and our ashes are thrown wherever, that that's not the end. That there's life and hope beyond this life in heaven with Jesus. And both Jesus and his disciples gave the command for other disciples to be baptized as an expression of their relationship with Jesus, identifying with him, saying, I'm, I'm in with him. I'm united with Jesus. Baptism is reserved solely for those who have placed their faith in Christ. They say, Jesus is my hope. I trust in other things, but nothing as ultimately as I do trust in Christ. I trust in my car to get me from place to place. Some of us trust it more than others and have reason to. But you say, more than that, on a much grander level, I trust Jesus with my eternal future. 
that I know that this life isn't the end for me. Jesus commanded this baptism to be an outward sign of this inward covenant relationship that we have with him. In a similar fashion, those who are married wear a wedding ring. Just because you do not wear a wedding ring and you're married and you don't have this doesn't make you unmarried. And by wearing it, it doesn't just hocus pocus, okay, you're married now. It's a symbol, it's an outward sign of a covenant relationship between two people. In the same way, baptism is that sign. Baptism is that picture to others that says, I am united with Jesus. Just like my ring says, I'm united with Jill. Baptism says, I'm united with Jesus. And we're going to have people baptized this morning. And by doing so, they're wanting you to know, they're expressing to the world, I'm united with Jesus. And this life is not the end for me. This is just a stepping stone to real life after this current life is over. A perfect life that is to come. Baptism is the biblical way in which we show that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we died to our old way of life through the death of Jesus, and we live a new life through the resurrection of Jesus, cleansed from the sin the same way that water cleanses us from filth. Therefore, being baptized does not make someone a Christian. Not being baptized does not call someone to stop being a Christian, but a Christian should be baptized. And I celebrate those today that have taken this step in following Jesus in obedience to the teaching and scripture of being baptized. I want you to be encouraged by the reading of this passage of scripture, and then I want to pray for our baptisms. Romans 6, 3 through 14. Do you not know that be encouraged by this? This is the word of God. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved, burdened with sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. And that's real life. That's more than what we see here. That's fun. With no guilt, no shame, no fear of being accepted or approved by others, you're in. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And so those who are baptized are in that life. Now, to those who are believers, specifically those being baptized today, hear these last few verses 
as an address, a charge to you for those who are being baptized today. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. That's not you anymore. You're a new creation. Those old things have passed away. Everything's become new. Live to the new passions. Do not present your members, your actions, the way you handle yourself to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But, because that's the old life, there's a new way of living. There's a new God in your life, and it's not you anymore. It's Jesus. So present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That's not being a hypocrite because this is embracing your new identity and you're being who you are. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but praise Jesus, praise Jesus, you're under grace. If we were under law, we would be damned. No hope for anyone. But we're under grace because of what Christ accomplished for us in his perfect life, his substitutionary death on the cross, his glorious resurrection, not to mention his awesome ascension that we are partakers in. So I want to pray for us now as those who are being baptized will be doing so. This is a privilege and an honor and a celebration. If you've ever cheered for anything, I want you to cheer for these people when they come out of that water, because of what it's pointing to, Jesus changed their life, and they will live forever. The people that you see being baptized, they're going to live forever. They're in on that. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and we ask you, Lord, to be honored, adored, praised, recognized, esteemed in our baptism now and be with those who are being baptized. Would they live to the newness of life and be dead to the old life that they once walked in? Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, I ask these things. Amen. As I look at people here, I know there's, there's people who don't believe in Jesus. I know there's people who don't trust Jesus. And you're trying to be good enough. And you're trying to Keep the good bigger than the bad. And, and I, I just want to take you and throw you in the water myself. I wish that that would fix it. But the Holy Spirit has to work in your heart. And so for those who don't trust Jesus and you don't believe him right now, I just ask you to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, would you change me? Just like, I, I want what that is, whatever that is. And however they got that, I, I, I want you to work in my heart. I would love for you to do that. I mean, gosh, like, I, <laughs> I want to hug every Christian and say, isn't this wonderful, aren't we loved? And I want to just grab every non-Christian and throw them in the water. That's literally just what I'm feeling. Like, you need to get in on this. I wish I could force you to believe Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit about how people who did not believe in Jesus reacted to people celebrating Jesus, Okay. I'm going to go back and we're going to look at a history book called Acts. And you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. You can trust me. It's going to be on PowerPoint. But this, this is an interaction of when the church began to celebrate 
and they got rowdy, they got crazy over the Holy Spirit and their lives being changed by him, and they began to celebrate. They began to cheer. They began to preach the gospel. And this crowd of religious leaders came to them. It's con they're considered devout men. Devout religious men came and they asked them, are you guys drunk? Are y'all hammered? Like, what's, what's going on? And Peter's answer, he looks back at these men in Acts 2, 22. He says, men of Israel, this is all going to tie in, so hang with me. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, shown to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified, you killed this man. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it by the power of death. This Jesus, God raised up, and we are all witnesses. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, Messiah, Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, the reconciler and rescuer and redeemer of all things. He's made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus is who I'm talking about, the one you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And that's what I pray happens to those who are outside of Christ right now. I pray that during these videos and during this gospel message right now, that you're cut to the heart, that something inside you just feels tight. Your fists are clenched. You're going to something going on tight in your throat like you just know something is wrong and you need to make it right. And you want in on this, but there's a lot of fear in that. I hope that you're experiencing this cutting to the heart. Now, when these men heard this about Jesus beating death, being the Messiah, they killed the Messiah. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I pray that the piercing of your heart, the cutting of the heart, leads to this question instead of the hardness of your heart. I pray that the conviction, this, this tightness, whatever the funk's going on here, I pray that whatever happens, that you press in and say, what should I do with this feeling? Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will get what we have. You will receive the promised Holy Spirit. Your life will be different. Your life will be changed. He didn't say, go be really good first. He didn't say, fix your problems first. He didn't say, go to church First, he didn't say get perfect attendance at a community group first. 
He didn't say go get a nice house and a nice car and get a job. He didn't say go reconcile this friendship with somebody else. He said repent and believe in Jesus and you get this hope. You get this transforming power. You get in. You get all in. You get forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Briefly, follow me here. Having your sins forgiven is what presents you before God as perfect, holy, and blameless. When God looks at you, you're acceptable if your sins are forgiven. The only way to live in heaven with God is for you to be perfect, holy, and blameless. I got some bad news for everybody here. There's not a single person here that's perfect, holy, and blameless on their own. Nobody. There's great news. Jesus lived a perfect life to cover your jacked up life. Jesus died a punishing death to cover the penalty for your sin, for your bad. Jesus killed death. Jesus killed death when he was powerfully resurrected, removing the permanence of death. Practically, in his life, Jesus wasn't just a good man. In his death on the cross, he wasn't just a good man dying. In his resurrection, Jesus wasn't just a good man dying on the cross, beating death and coming back to life. To believe in Jesus is to personally know with all that's within you that Jesus lived a perfect life for you as your representative. To believe in Jesus is to believe with all that's in you that Jesus Christ died as your substitute, bearing the wrath of God in your place for your sin. The Bible considers this term, this action, propitiation. It's where Christ wasn't just dying on the cross. Christ was absorbing the wrath of God that you deserve that I deserve, that's supposed to be ours because we're wrong, because we've sinned. And he says, yes, they need to be punished, but I'm sending my only son so that those who believe in him will have eternal life. So Jesus, for us to be forgiven, Jesus stands there as the guilty one, and he absorbs every drop of the wrath of God, where he is like a wrath sponge, and it was poured completely out on him. That way there is no wrath left. That when God sees you, he sees you as perfect, holy, blameless, acceptable, forgiven. Because he looked at Christ and our sin was on him as he was bearing the wrath of God. The physical toil, struggle, burden, pain that he was going through was huge but it pales in comparison to feeling the punishment that's to be towards you and towards me. Thank God that Jesus came to stand in between us 
and take what we deserve and give what we don't deserve to us. Theologians consider this the great exchange where we receive Christ's righteousness, his goodness, his, him being perfect, and he takes from us and places on himself our bad, our sin, the great exchange. He lived the perfect life for us. He died the death on the cross as our substitute for us. And he beat death for you, granting you hope that extends beyond death of this life into the life that is to come, that is paradise with Jesus forever and ever and ever. So Jesus wasn't just living a perfect life, dying a horrible death and beating death. There's more to it. It's more than just knowing that. Belief in Christ, being saved, having hope in heaven is knowing and believing with everything in you that Jesus lived, died, beat death, ascended for you. And because he did it, there's hope that you'll be with him forever. Repentance isn't this start this list of things and stop this list of things. That's moralism. That's prevalent all around us. There's, there's enough. We've met the quota for being moralist. We need to be, we need to be people who repent. Being a Christian isn't just adding a new group of words you're supposed to say and stopping these words that you're not supposed to say. Being a Christian is no longer, is not saying that you have to stop these drinks and start drinking these things. It's not saying you have to wear this line of clothing and don't wear this line of clothing. It's not go to these buildings and never go inside these buildings. Have these types of friends and, ha and don't have these types of friends. Don't play baseball or softball on this team. Play for the church team. Like you try to have this moralism of like you have to be good enough and, and enter in this little Jesus bubble, this church bubble. Okay, this is deep. This is philosophical. We could talk and rant about this forever. It's a soapbox that I'll stand on the rest of my life because I was hooked like a fish being caught by a huge fisherman being pulled in to moralism. And I was being drugged by moralism, the guilt, the shame of hoping that I'm good enough hoping that I'm remembering the lingo good enough. And that's a burden that you're never intended to carry. Jesus Christ came to destroy legalism, to destroy moralism, and so that you would see there's grace and no longer law, you having to match up yourself. He says, I'm coming down. There's no longer a ladder that you have to climb to get to me. Throw the ladder away. I'm coming, incarnation, John 1, into your world. I'm going to be your savior, your rescuer. You're going to love me. I'm going to love you. We're going to have a paradise life together forever because I am who I am. You have to see yourself as needing a savior. Repentance is acknowledging Jesus Christ as a savior, seeing that you're jacked up and, and you're wrong and you're, you're seeking to live to Christ and no longer to those things and you trust in him and you hope in him. It's not just turning away from certain things. It's more turning to Jesus and saying, I'm in. I repented. Well, what did you stop doing? That's not the question. By default, I left certain things behind because my focus is Christ. It's not on what I'm leaving. It's on what I'm getting. I pray that you trust in Jesus alone to save you, to give you hope and life, that you, like so many said on the video, that you'll be all in.
We're going to do something we, I don't think, I know I've never done it before. We haven't done it here at Axis. The water's warm. And the water's ready. I would love for anybody, while Jacob goes through communion and we all share in communion, if there's anybody here that says, you know what? I want the joy that those people have. My, my Jesus isn't the same as their Jesus. I'm missing it somewhere. I want to believe that Jesus. I want to have a story that's not about things I've stopped and things I've started. I want to have a story that's all about Jesus. And I want to be all in. If that's you, if you want to express faith and you know today something's happened in your heart and you're saying, yeah, I believe. I'm in. And I want the Axis Church body and their friends and family and our, our friends from Oklahoma, I want everybody to know today that I'm in. I want to be baptized. If that's you, during the communion, I want you to find Pastor Jacob and me outside here in the foyer. We want to talk to you. We've got some changes of clothes. You can change into those things, get dunked, and put your other clothes on, and we'll party at the party in the park. So today, you can just say, hey, I'm in. I didn't plan on getting baptized today. I don't have a video. But man, I'd love to get in that water. I want people to know that Jesus is my Savior, not just a Savior in the Bible that people talk about, but that's me. He, he loves me. I want to pray for y'all. Lord, would you please be with those who want to be in and who want to live for you and believe in you. And Lord, even those who want to be baptized today. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we expect you to do great things. Lord, save people. I pray that you save people right now, that you save people as we were talking, as the videos were being shown, that you were working in the hearts of people, and that the redeemed of the Lord would say so, even those who were redeemed in the last 30 minutes. Yes. Lord, do this, we ask you in Christ's name, and for his fame and glory and honor. Amen.